We're going to continue with worship as we prepare for our tithes and our offerings. So if the ushers could get ready for that. You know, as a mom, one of the greatest things that I love is when my kids listen. That is like my, one of my favorite things. In fact, this past week, I came home from a very, very long day of work. And it was fall break, so my son was home. And I came home, and my house was spotless. I was like, what? And all I could do is like, Ethan, what do you want for dinner? I'll make your favorite meal. Just come here. I want to just cuddle you. What do you need? You need new shoes? What do you need? I just, I just wanted to bless him because he was obedient. In Malachi 3.10, I'm going to read to you, and, and it comes from the New King James Version, and I love this scripture. And this is what it says. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the window of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be so much room that you can't even receive it all. That's how much God wants to bless us. See, this context is where he's talking to the Israelites and he's saying, bring your tithes into the storehouse. Because if not, you're not going to reap a very large harvest. What I'm saying is, when you step into that obedience that I'm asking you to do so, my blessings will be more than enough. More than enough for you. See, God is just like us. We want to bless our kids when they're obedient. Now, when they're disobedient, it doesn't mean we love them any less. No. But we, will, we withhold all of the more blessings that we want to give. And that's how God is with us. He's like, test me on this. Try me on this. When you step into the obedience and we give to the storehouse, this is where our tithes and our offerings come in. We partner up with a God that's saying, let me open up the windows of heaven and I'm ready to pour out such blessings that we can't even contain it all. Amen? Why don't we pray about your hearts with me? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you are a God that loves to bless your children. So, Lord, I ask that you will take these tithes and these offerings, Lord, as a pleasing gift unto you as we bring it into your storehouse and that you will use it to multiply and your will and that you will move your kingdom forward and bless the giver, Lord, that gives so cheerfully and in that faith and in that obedience. We love you, Father, and we thank you again for using all of this, your people, your storehouse, to go out into the world and reach people that are far from you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bunny Correa. Thank you. Well, this week is a great week for us because we are having our SALT conference, and that's why we are wearing these shirts, just to let you know that we're preparing for our SALT conference, which is our uh, conference that we do every year for all of our churches here on the Big Island, as well as uh, another way for us to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Those of you who serve and those of you who are thinking about serving, this is such a great conference to go to because we're built up, we're also equipped, and we also deepen our faith with God. So if you did not have the opportunity to register yet, you can still do so in different ways. You can go to our information center, you can go to our website, or through our church app. 
So there are different ways for you to register. And part of us getting into this week is also allowing us as a church, not just this church, but all our other churches, to be strengthened so that we can add flavor to the world. The world needs flavor because it is bland right now. There are too many things happening in our world that is inconsistent and filled with darkness. So what God does is he gives us certain assignments and a mission to go out into the world and add flavor to it by shining our light, by giving our love, and by being compassionate to people, and then welcoming people into the kingdom of God or introducing people to Jesus Christ, whether it's through an invitation or whether it's through you verbally talking to them about your faith in Christ, whatever it would be, so long as everything we do points to Jesus Christ. That's our whole goal of why we do what we do here. It's everything must point to Jesus. That's why I'm glad you're here tonight because you got ready, you weathered the rain, and nothing stopped you from being here tonight, which is perfect about uh, what the message is going to be tonight. We're in this series called Equipping the Saints, and we're going to be talking about the pioneer spirit. And when you think about the pioneer spirit, sometimes you, you think about our, uh, the United States of America and when our country was being birthed and when the uh, pioneers would go from east to west and then they would settle and how they would build houses and then you know, find out where their land will be. It was, it was amazing how it was done back then because everything was verbal and they had to make sure, of course, they had their, their land claim, you know, their claim stake so that they could say that this is my land. And so as they were traveling, they would have to equip themselves with food and water and animals, especially if they had their wagon that they were taking with them and their oxen that would pull them. They would have to be well-equipped in order to be pioneers. They didn't just put on their shoes and say, let's go at it and let's see what happens. They made sure they were well-equipped so that they could survive the travels that they were about to do. And so it is with us as a church. God has given us a pioneering spirit. And the pioneering spirit is more than just doing stuff. And tonight we're going to be in a couple different uh, books in the Bible. But the first one we're going to be in the book of John. So if you want to turn there, you can kind of get a head start. John chapter 4. And you can just kind of keep your place there. You can also open the church app and follow along. We'll have our notes in there. But if you think about when we became Christians, there, there came a time when things that happened in our lives brought us to Jesus Christ, whether it was through crisis, whether it was through heartache and pain, whether it was through someone's invitation. We all came to Jesus in various ways. And when we came to know Jesus, joy filled our hearts. And something happened inside of us that we couldn't contain. We just couldn't stop talking about what took place in our hearts. Now, maybe you grew up in a home where there were believers. Maybe you grew up in the church. And maybe you didn't have that, uh, that all of a sudden weight lifted off of your shoulders and the realization that you're saved and that now you have eternal life. Maybe it was different for you. But the reason why it's different is not because we're all supposed to have the same type of encounter with Christ. It's because God uses all of us as different testimonies to reach different kinds of people. And the people that you might reach, I may never reach. I may never connect with the people that you connect with. But you're able to connect with them. And once joy came into our lives, forgiveness, repentance, and life-changing decisions, then we began to understand that this was something called salvation, that God gave us his spirit. And now we no longer live like we used to. And with all that happens, something else can happen 
if we're not prepared for it. With all the joy and forgiveness that God gives to us, something can take place in a believer's life that if we're not ready for, will cause us to forget why God saved us. And it's called being a settler. That we just now have settled rather than continued to be a pioneer. So tonight, we're going to be learning about these two words, pioneer and then a settler. See, when we first come to Jesus, we tell everyone of the life change and we invite people to church. But over time, if we're not careful, we lose that pioneering spirit and then we become a settler. And we settle for knowing Jesus rather than knowing Jesus and telling others about him. So what does it mean to move from being a settler to having a pioneering spirit once again if you've become a settler. Now, you may be thinking, I don't think I'm a settler because I still believe in Jesus. Well, hopefully tonight we can gauge where we're at. And it's not a, it's not a, a message of condemnation because there is no condemnation for those who believe in Jesus Christ. This is an encouraging message, a message that will give us tools to help us to see where we're at. And then as we enter into this next season, how we can still have that pioneering spirit. So let's just say you have a pioneering, a pioneering spirit and you're from a one to 10, 10 meaning you're like pioneering. You never stop telling people about Jesus. You continuously talk to people about Jesus. You, you are that person that people go to for prayer, that you're that person that people go to to be encouraged or they go to you because they don't know what else to do and they know that you're a believer. That would be a 10. If you're a one as a pioneering spirit, you believe in Jesus, you attend church, but that's as far as you go. So from one to 10, you might find yourself in one of those. You can put a number in your head if you want. It'll make it fun for you and challenging. You know, the, uh, when, when America was being built and, and the pioneers went from east to west, they had to do whatever it took to now come into a new land. And although treacherous and although difficult, they made the sacrifices necessary for them and their families. And they didn't just think about themselves and their immediate families. They thought about generations to come. So they had to find the, the right land that would be fertile soil enough so that they could plant their crops and that they could survive because that's how they survived. It was off of the land. There was no Walmart down the street. There was no safe way that they could turn to. No one could go shopping for them. Everything was where they were. It was on their land. And so that pioneering spirit had to be in them lest they die and their children. So it was with that kind of urgency that the pioneers went into this new adventure. And it can, it can happen to us that in the beginning we have this pioneering spirit, that we have this, 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 this urgency to let people know that there is new life in Christ. There's that urgency, but then after a while we become settlers and then every Everything else becomes about us. Church becomes about us. Learning becomes about us. And all the arrows begin to point inward when in the beginning it was pointed outwards to reach out to people. And if we're not careful, it'll stay like that. And the moment it stays like that and we get used to it and we become a settler, we won't even recognize it unless someone tells us we're a settler. So hopefully tonight, if we're in that, in, in that category, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts in the way that only he can, full of grace and truth, that he would help us to become pioneers once again. 
See, a pioneer in the dictionary is a person who is among those who first enter or settle a region, thus opening up for occupation and development by others. They're the first ones there. Or one who is first or among the earliest of any field of inquiry, enterprise, or progress, like pioneers in cancer research. Or one of a group of foot soldiers detailed to make roads or dig entrenchments and make way or advance to the main body that will be following them. Today, the church can be compared to pioneers and settlers. And here's the difference. As Christians, we're supposed to be pioneers for the kingdom, but never, ever settlers. We become settlers when we get to heaven. That's where our home is. That's why when... When the disciples asked Jesus, like, where, where are you going? He says, you know the way and how to get there, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's home, there are many mansions. And when it is ready, I will come and get you. Our home is not here. Our home is in heaven. And so when God says that I'm building something for you in heaven, why is he building a home for us in heaven? Because that's where we're going to settle. Until then, we're pioneers. Oh, you may have a temporary home, a shelter, but that's not where you belong. That's just your temporary home for this temporary world. And God will one day call us all home, and then we will settle. And once a believer becomes a settler, they now limit how often God uses them, and their faith becomes one that stagnates. And then after a while, we forget about everybody else. And then everything is about us. Our heart begins to grow cold towards others. And then after a while, we no longer find the hope that we once had in Jesus. It's now all about a religious thing that we do. And because this is our Wednesday night service, this is where we as believers gather together. Tonight, I want to encourage us to really think through the pioneering spirit and that settling spirit and not fall into the latter. But stay in the category as a pioneer. Because there are more things coming up in the kingdom of God than what we see today. And if we're not ready with the pioneering spirit, we will miss the miracles that God has set before us. We're going to miss it. But keep that pioneering spirit. See, every single one of us can continue developing the pioneer spirit by learning three main functions of a pioneer in the kingdom of God. And if you, if you are taking notes, here's the first thing, that the pioneering spirit is a person who doesn't let their past control their future. When you have a pioneering spirit, you don't let your past control your future. You don't let that get to you. Now, I know some of you love football. Now, how many of you actually have a football team? You you have a football team. Okay. Uh, Do the rest of you watch football? How many of you just watch football? You don't have a team? Okay, some of you do. Okay, so I'm just bringing up two teams, okay, because I I, I enjoyed the two games. Uh, Two weeks ago, the Green Bay Packers played the Detroit Lions. And it so happens to be that my team is Detroit Lions in this illustration, so it works well. The Detroit Lions won by eight points. The Green Bay Packers, their field goal kicker, Crosby, missed five field goals. A field goal is worth three points. So he missed five field goals, totaling 15 points. If he made all of his field goals the Detroit Lions would have lost. This past week, the Packers, 
I don't, who did they play? Oh, okay, I was just, I was just checking. Because I know some of you guys, some of you guys are Niners kind of sitting in this area over here. I just, but they played the Niners, and Crosby made three field goals. All of his field goals and the point, uh, extra points. And he kicked the game-winning field goal. So the reason why I bring that up is not because of football. Here's, here's why. Here you have a man who missed five field goals, lost the game, down and out. But he didn't stay there. He came back the week after, and he made sure he did whatever he could do to not miss a single field goal, and it mattered in this game. He didn't let his past control his future. Now, although a football game how many of us in the game of life, we, we blow it in our past. We mess up, we make mistakes, we sin, we do things that are not consistent with the Bible, that are displeasing to God, but then we stay there and we let our past control our future and we never get out of it. Months go by, years go by, decades go by, and we still remember our past and we let it control us. And no one has to tell us anything. We just stay there, and we never progress in life. Why? Because we let our past control us. And you know who the puppeteer is holding them strings? The devil. He's just toying with us. He just plays around with us because he knows our past, but he has no clue about our future. So the only power he has is the power you give him to your past. But you know who knows your future? Yeah, God does. He knows the future that we have. It's the future and the hope that he has. So the devil doesn't know our future. Therefore, if he can only play around with our past, let him have it. Let him have your past. Say, devil, you can have my past. Do whatever you want with it because I'm on to my future with God. I'm not going to stay there. I'm no longer, that's no longer me. You can have that old life. I could care less about that because this is where I am today and this is where I'm heading. God doesn't care about where you've been. He cares about where you're heading. That's what God is looking out for. The pioneering spirit says, I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to settle there. Why do I want to settle in darkness and pain and misery? I'm going to pioneer towards where God is pulling me towards. A future and a hope. Samaritan woman, when you read in the book of John, she had some difficulties in her past. In John chapter 4, verse 7 when she came to draw water from the well, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give, to them they will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty 
and I and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, oh, well, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Watch this change of subject. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. Hmm. You had five husbands, correct. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. What does that have to do with anything? But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. You know what this woman is trying to do? She, she doesn't want to deal with her past. So when Jesus reminds her of where she is today, he's not trying to remind her of where she is today so that she can dwell on her past. He's letting her know that this is where you are today. And I want to see your response because unless this is revealed to you, you will not be able to see your future. And when she brings up her past, watch how Jesus pushes her forward or, or leads her forward. He says, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has come now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. This lady meets Jesus Christ and finds new life because his concern wasn't about her past. Notice he didn't bring up her past to talk about her past. He brought up what she was dealing with in her heart so that she could move past her past and move into a relationship with him. So much so that she couldn't contain it. She went back into her town, told the entire city, come see the man who told me everything. And the whole entire city came out to meet Jesus. Talk about someone who does not let her past control her future. She became the city's evangelist. And she told everyone. Oh, she was, everyone knew about her. News travels quickly when you do things that, you know, right? There's a, it's a small town. And they all knew. But now they see this new life and this new hope that this woman has. See, the pioneering spirit, the pioneering spirit says, I will learn from my past, but not, it, but not let it control me. I'll learn from my past, but I'm not going to let it control me. My past relationships will not control my future relationships with God or with people. My past financial difficulties will not control my future of getting my finances in order. Just because I couldn't do it then doesn't mean I throw in the towel and say, I messed up, now I'm not, forget it, no sense try. I tried it before, I might as well just keep going, keep spending, keep going into debt, might as well, and then when I die, oh, pal, 
No, we learn from our past and then we head toward the future for a better future. See, my past sins will not control the future of God's promises. That's a pioneering spirit. We're not going to let that happen. Pioneering spirit says what people did to me in my past will not ruin my future and identify me for my future. It's a person who doesn't let their past control their future. Here's the second thing that a pioneering spirit is. It's a person who doesn't let circumstances stop them from God's very best. I'm going to give you a quick survey, and I really want you to participate in this one because I need your, I need your, I need your thoughts on this because I want to see how many of you are kind of like me. This is a good thing. I mean, not, some, some things are not good, but this one I, I think is a good thing. How many of you are problem solvers? Raise your hand. You, you're a problem solver. Wow, right on. That's good. And not that others of you aren't problem solvers. Like, problem solvers are people that when they walk into a room, they pick out everything that is wrong and know how to fix it. It's easy. And sometimes it drives you nuts, right? When things don't go right or, or when you're trying to explain something to someone or when someone brings you a problem and you're trying to problem solve with them and they're not getting it. It's like you're saying, you know, I'll just do it myself. It, it, it bothers you, it frustrates you. Or when you say to others, hey, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to make it happen, and then they tell you all the reasons why it cannot happen. That drives you nuts, right? While they're giving you all the reasons why they can't do it, in your head you're, giving, you're solving all the problems and you already have the solution. After a while you're like, you know, I don't even talk already because I already have the solution, so here's what we're going to do. That's a, that's a problem solver. And you need both, because if we we're all problem solvers, we'd become the problem. Yeah, and all the unproblem solved people are like, yeah, amen, yeah, we don't need all of you guys. But that's what happens when you, when you have just the thought of, I got a problem solve, problem solve, problem solve. Yeah, we do need each other. But what a problem solver does is not let excuses get to them. Like while the, while the excuses are coming up, the problems are being solved like nothing causes you to stop and say, I give up. It's like you find a way to make it happen. There's a man by the name of Nick who some of you already know in November that we're going to be having a live sim uh, simulcast. Is that how you say it? Live streaming from New Hope, Oahu on November 6th, 7th, and 8th, which is a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're going to live stream it here. And then he's going to be here live in person Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. But this man, Nick Vujicic, he, he, he was born without limbs. And there were complications at an early age. And without any medical explanation, he was born in 1982 in Melbourne, Australia, without arms and legs. But he did not let that stop him from becoming who he is today. In fact, he had thoughts of suicide. He was wondering why... Everyone else is different when he was growing up. He struggled. He had moments of depression. He went through a lot of what we all go through. But once he found his purpose and his value in Christ, he, he just took off. Why? Because he has a pioneering spirit. After I heard him speak at our uh, convention, our Foursquare convention this past year, the first thought that came to my mind after he spoke was this. I have no excuses to serve God whatsoever. I have no excuses. 
I really don't. And it's not to compare my life to his. It's just as a, as a testimony of if, if that man can do what he's doing without any limbs, and he even said it. He said, if, if I can do what I'm doing without any limbs, think of what you can do with all your arms and legs. He said, if the body of Christ got together and did what they were purposed to do, the church would be unstoppable. That's what it's called. It's called unstoppable. And so the reason why we're bringing him here is because there are many people in our city who have yet to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And part of him being here is to inspire us that we absolutely have no excuses at all to reach out to people. But for some reason, the devil gives us reason. He gives us excuses. Mark chapter 2, I'll read our second story. And in Mark chapter 2, we find, and you may have heard this story before, we find a man who has been paralyzed, but his four friends hear about Jesus Christ and does something about it. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Nothing like this. It all started off with a paralyzed man who found himself in a difficult circumstance. The situation was beyond him, he couldn't get to Jesus. His four friends, however, put together a plan and says, well, he can't get to Jesus, but we can take him there. We're not going to let this circumstance stop us from allowing our friend to come to know Jesus. So let's carry him. What do you mean carry him? Yeah, let's just carry him. We got to carry him anyway. We carry him wherever we go. Let's carry him to Jesus. Okay, let's go. Well, they get there. It's crowded. It's like, how are we going to get in? We can't get in. Circumstance number two, there's no room. We can't even get to Jesus. We're not going to let a circumstance stop us. So what are we going to do? Well, let's climb onto the roof. I hope they got insurance. Well, let's, let's go onto the roof then. What are we going to dig with? Just find whatever we can because the roof is not going to stop us from getting our friend to Jesus. So they dig through the hole in the sea. Now imagine Jesus. He's preaching the word of God. And here comes this like dust and everything. is like, what's going on? And all you see is heads. Hang on. 
It took some time. It wasn't like just a, and it opened up. It took some time. They're opening it up enough to lower their friend down. There's no music in the background like a movie. It's just quiet. It's just, sorry, sorry. It's my friend. He's paralyzed. We wanted to bring him to you so that you could heal him. I don't know what his friend was thinking or their friend, the, the, the paralyzed man was thinking because it's not like he could have stopped them. What was he going to do? He, he, could, he could have grumbled with them. But the four friends didn't let the circumstance of whatever was happening stop them from God's very best. These four men were definitely problem solvers. <laughs> they found a way. They made it happen. See, the consequences of our decisions should never dictate our lifestyle. That's what a pioneering spirit is. This man gets healed because these guys refused to let the circumstance tell them what's going to happen to their friend. They aimed high for God's very best. And because of that, their friend found not just forgiveness, but healing. That's what a pioneering spirit does. It goes out to people who are paralyzed because of the world, who have no idea how to get to Jesus, and they don't have the strength to do so. It's going to take sometimes four friends to carry them to Jesus. Some will fight along the way, but what more can they do when the Spirit of God is drawing them? Very rarely will someone fight you all the way to Jesus because deep down inside of every single person's soul that does not know Jesus is drawn to Jesus. They just need help. They need us. That's a pioneering spirit. Just because we did wrong doesn't mean we need to keep doing wrong. We, we don't let our circumstances tell us you need to quit. We tell our circumstances that we're going, to, we're going to aim for God's very best. See, the pioneering spirit tells us that the consequences of others' decisions, the decisions that other people make, doesn't have to be the end of our life. That doesn't have to be the end of the story. The consequences of life doesn't have to be my whole life. It's just a part of it. See, a person who doesn't let their past control their future is someone who has a pioneering spirit. A person who doesn't let circumstances stop them from God's very best is someone who has a pioneering spirit. And the last thing, a person who never settles is someone who has a pioneering spirit. Never settle for anything less than God's very best. See, this is the kind of person who never stops doing whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus. That's the kind of pioneering spirit that God gives to all of us that we're not going to let anything stop us from finding people who are far from God. This is Paul the Apostle, our third story. Paul the Apostle, this guy's life is amazing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 21, he kind of gives a, like a list of things that has happened to him. Now, we've got to remember, before Paul came to know Jesus, he was a Pharisee. He was a teacher of the, the religious law, and he was one who knew everything about God, but he never practiced it in the way God intended them to practice it. 
It was all about the show rather than a heart towards God's heart. And so when Paul meets Jesus, well, when his name is Saul, when Saul meets Jesus, he's wondering what is happening. He's blind for three days. A man has to come to him, Ananias, has to pray for him, and then he was able to see. But during that short period, that time period, while Paul was blind physically, God was renewing his eyesight spiritually. When the scales of his eyes fell off, he had new spiritual eyes. And now he could see crystal clear as a person who was now a pioneer for God, not a settler. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 21, Paul kind of tells us, this is, this is what a pioneering spirit will look like. This is, this is kind of the life that a pioneering spirit will live. And these are the things that can happen to someone who has a pioneering spirit. And this is probably the reason why many people will not want to keep being a pioneer for the kingdom of God because these things happen. So Paul says, here's, here's what takes place. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. And he's talking about his sufferings. He says, when, whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. So what he's saying is, you can talk about all the difficulties you went through in your, your heritage and your descendants or being a descendant of that, that family lineage. I have the same thing. I, we, we had struggles too. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. He says, I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes, 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. How's that word? Pelted with stones. That means he was beamed a lot with stones. People was beating him with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I'm like, after the first shipwreck, I'm not going to the sea. Three times he was shipwrecked. I spent a, a night and a day in the open sea. So he's kind of like treading water. Like, okay, what, 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 what's going to happen now? It's not like he was just kicking back out of Puhi Bay. This guy was in the ocean. I have been constantly on the move. Constantly. He's been constantly on the move. He didn't just stop and that's it. He was constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false beliefs. I would have just said I was in danger everywhere because that was pretty much it. Everywhere he was, he was in danger. I have, the list is still going, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, like if that wasn't enough, he says, besides all of that, I faced the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. 
See, Paul gives this list not as a reason to say, look at, look at what I've done, look at what I've been through. He's saying, as a pioneer, when you're doing things for Jesus, these things may happen. And sometimes we have a list of our own. We're like, yeah, I don't know if I can talk to my friend about Jesus because they're not open. I don't know if I can invite someone to church because they might look down on me. I don't know if I can tell my family about Christ or invite them to church because they don't, they don't believe in God. Like if, he, if we were to compare our reasons to Paul's reasons, we actually have no excuse. I don't think any of us would, would find any of these situations of Paul's in our life because we were trying to reach out to people for Jesus. Paul was doing everything possible to reach out to people for Jesus. He was going from missionary journey to missionary journey from place to place proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because his life was flipped upside down. He met Jesus and it changed his life radically forever. Why? Because Paul stayed the pioneer. He never became a settler. Paul never settled. He continued to pioneer and forge ahead to tell people about Jesus. He continued to pro proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, of forgiveness, of sin, and eternal life. He continuously did that. Paul did that because he knew that people were looking for good news. And people that we know, people in our very own city, are looking for good news. They're looking for something that can satisfy their soul. That's why we chase after things, money, power, fame, and position. Because that, we want something to satisfy us. But what Paul was doing is he was saying to everyone, listen, nothing's going to satisfy your soul except this relationship with Jesus. Someone has to let people know that Jesus is the only one that can fulfill all of our heart's desires. And it takes a pioneering spirit to do so. See, this next season is our opportunity to do just that. When we, when we talk about uh, having our SALT conference coming up, it's to equip us, it's to, it's to strengthen us so that we can add flavor to the world. It's, it's with our lifestyle uh, leadership practicum, it's so that we can develop life skills that are necessary for the disciplines in our life as a believer so that we can be effective in the world surrounding us. Nick Vujicic, when that comes up, that whole entire week, it's so that we can bring people to Jesus Christ. They may not come because of you, but they may, become, they may come because of Nick. They just tell them, you know what, watch a YouTube video or go to his website, Life Without Limbs, and then go see what I'm talking about. And they will tell their friends and family to come here. See, so you, you know when you're becoming a settler, and these are some things that helps me to understand that, okay, I'm, I'm slowly slipping into the settling role. It's when I start complaining about someone more than I pray for them. That's how I know I'm becoming more of a settler than I am a pioneer. I know when I'm becoming a settler, when I can't remember the last time I invited someone to church or shared my faith in Jesus Christ with someone else. I know when I'm becoming a settler, when I don't think God can use me or that I can serve God, that's when I'm beginning to settle. You know what Paul the Apostle was doing? Paul the Apostle was saying, give me a reason to stop 
and I'll give you a thousand reasons why I keep going. That's the pioneering spirit. That when someone tells you give up, you give them a thousand reasons why you keep going. And when your excuses give you reasons why you can't, introduce them to the God who says you can. That's the pioneering spirit. We're going to close our Bibles and put away our notes, and we're going to pray for that spirit tonight. That a person who doesn't let their past control their future, doesn't let their circumstances stop them from God's very best, and that we'll never become settlers. And I want you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes for a moment so that we can focus. And Lord God, tonight as we, as we pray to you, we know that you were the first pioneer that this world has ever seen. That you were the one who came from heaven to this earth, an imperfect place, to bring new ground and to show us that we have a way back to you. That no matter what takes place in our life, no matter how difficult it is, you went through it all. We want to have the same spirit that you had when you were here on this earth and this, the same spirit that you continue to have. May that spirit continue to reside in us so that we can go out into the world and reach people for you. This next season, Lord, I pray that you would give us a pioneering spirit, that we would be the people of God that would say, I'm not going to, no circumstance is going to stop me from your very best, that we're not going to settle. We're going to continue to reach out to people. We're not going to let our past control our future, but we're going to allow your spirit to guide us into the future and the hope that you promised for us. So I pray for each and every one of us, regardless of where we are, whether we're struggling financially, relationally, health-wise, in our faith, whatever circumstance we may find ourselves in, Lord, can you, can you once again breathe your spirit, that pioneering spirit, so that we would once again, Lord, Remember about others more than ourselves, that the arrows begin to point outwards once again. That we would pray about who we're becoming and, and pray for people that we may have a hard time with, people that are far from you, people that don't know you. We pray for them, Lord. We pray that in this next season that many will come to know you as Lord and Savior, that in our city, the people that we work with, our family members, our friends, all those who may ridicule us and, and persecute us and those who may put us down because we believe in you or they, they call us names because we hold on to our faith or they say things because of our faith. Lord, may that not deter us from shining our light in such a way that people see our good works and glorify you in heaven. Give us that pioneering spirit, Lord. Like only you can. Breathe that into us. Breathe that into every single person here tonight or if they're watching via video, that your love, your power, your spirit, your anointing, your grace would fall upon each and every one of us. And as we head into this next season, Lord, we move in the power of the Holy Spirit that nothing can stop us from bringing people closer to you. That's our goal, Lord, to reach people far from you, one relationship at a time. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. And we all said together, amen. Can we thank Jesus Christ, the pioneer of everything that is taking place?